the first sermon of the year was called Further Deeper. And it's really, it was more than a sermon. It was a word that we felt like the Lord spoke to our church, okay? That, that God was going to take Soma Church corporately and individually, um, those who make up Soma Church, further with him and deeper in him. And, uh, and I shared that message with you. I took you to Luke 5. In fact, I want you to go over there for tonight as well. I took you to Luke chapter 5 where Jesus visits Peter while he was uh, putting up his nets after a long and very unsuccessful night of fishing. And Jesus tells Peter to push off further from the shore. You guys remember the story? Push off further from the shore. And he says, cast your nets again in deeper water. You remember they had been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus says, push off, cast again. Because they were putting up their nets. They were done. They were finished. (laughs) And I remember around this time last year, some of your stories personally, but I'm sure many more stories than I even know, how many felt like putting up their nets. Like you were at a place where you were just kind of done. Maybe you felt like you were in a, uh, an unsuccessful season of life. You felt like just putting up the nets. You may have felt hopeless. You may have felt even helpless. But if you'll remember the sermon and the sentence that I gave that night, the first Sermon of the year. You guys know I like to give a sermon and a sentence um, just to kind of simplify in case it gets complicated. My sermon and a sentence was God wants nothing less than to fill our nets. God wants nothing less than to fill our nets. And if you'll remember, we talked about how his, the very, like that's what he wants to do. The, The least he will do is have our nets overflowing. Like blessing us to the point where our nets are filled, even overflowing. And I encouraged you guys to, um, to untie your boats from the shore, you might remember, to launch out and to cast your nets again. Now you're gonna have to go back and listen to that podcast to get the full picture of what I was talking about. But here's the deal. I believe that God truly has taken all of us further and deeper, one way or the other, that he's been filling our nets one way or the other. The question is, as always, is did we recognize it in 2016? Did we see it? Did we recognize how God filled our nets? And then how did we respond? And the the year's not quite over, so I could say, how have we responded so far to him filling our nets? So, so I want to go back again to that. God wants nothing less than to fill our nets. Go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it. Tonight, my sermon in sentence, what I want to tell you is that God wants nothing more than for you to sake it all, for you to forsake it all. God wants nothing more than for you for us, for we, to forsake it all. So you're in chapter five, Luke chapter five. When we left that story, you can go ahead and turn there. When we left that story, Peter had untied, he had launched out, and he had cast again. Now I want you to look at verse six really quick. 
It says, when they had done this, when they had untied, launched out, cast again, when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. Like they, like they caught a boatload, you know. And their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the boats, in the other boats, for them to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Okay, he did it. Everybody say, he did it. Say, Jesus did it. Did you see that? If, I mean, we read it right there. Jesus filled their nets. They cast again, and he provided such a catch of fish. You, you, hopefully you notice two things. It says that their nets began to break, phase one, <laughs> and then that their boats began to sink. Can you imagine going fishing and catching so many fish that not only your nets began to break, your boat began, two boats, it says two boats began to sink. And if you look in verse eight, it says, but when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken in. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Now, I want you to listen to me. They left everything and followed him. Some of your versions say they, they, forsake, they forsook everything and follow Jesus. They forsook it all. And why did they do that? For, for the fish? You think about Peter, why he forsook it all. At that point, he left everything. He made arrangements to, to, um, to follow Jesus everywhere. He, he left the fish. It says they had two boats of fish that they drug in. Can you imagine that? Your boats are sinking. They're so filled with fish, but they got them to the shore. And then it says, but they left that. They left the fish. And when he says they forsook it all, they left the fish, but they also started making arrangements in their lives to follow Jesus. Like they were full on. And, and of course, this, this is kind of Peter's story. And so I was reading this this week in preparation and something stood out to me that I'd never seen before, at least not in this way. And it goes back to verse eight. So look back at verse eight. It says, when Simon Peter saw that, that word that stuck out to me this week like, a, like just a, a beacon, like a fireworks, you know, like we're gonna go shoot off later, right? It was like a firework went off. It says, when Simon Peter saw that, when he saw that, that's when amazement seized him. That's whenever he began to confess, I'm a sinful man. He fell down at Jesus' feet. I'm a sinful man. That's when amazement had seized him. That's whenever he decided he will forsake everything and follow Jesus. And I was thinking, that? I mean, it's, it's awesome. And if you were just to read, if you were just to start reading this story in, in chapter five, and, and that little snippet of, of Peter's life, that, of Peter's story, you would think, man, what? I mean, wouldn't you? But those of you who have read before, and you read just a little bit before, the end of chapter four, you know that Jesus had just healed Peter's mother-in-law. 
And really more than that, and I want us to look at it really quick. One chapter over, flip over. Luke 4, starting in verse 38. You gotta read this. Remember, this is what, this is what seized Peter. But look at what happened just, like, just right before that. It says that Jesus got up and left the synagogue. He had been teaching in the synagogue and entered into Simon's home. How many of you knew that Simon Peter knew Jesus before that day of fish catching? Well, he did. It tells us right there. Okay, so just a little bit before, it says that Jesus left the synagogue where he was teaching publicly. And Melissa and I have been there and several in this room have been to that exact spot where Simon lived and Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And it's, it's literally right there by the temple. So Jesus probably walked, what would you say, less than, less than 30 yards? I mean, just walked out and went right to Peter's house. Went to Peter's house, look what it says. Entered Simon Peter's home and Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from high fever and they asked him to help her. Hey, would you help my mom? And standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she immediately got up and started waiting on them. That's a good woman. <laughs> Verse 40 says, while the sun was still setting, or while the sun was setting, Jesus hadn't left Peter's house. He was still there. While the sun was setting, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on each one of them, he's still in Peter's house, still right there, sun's going down people are bringing their sick friends family members whatever to Jesus and it says laying his hands on each one of them he was healing them and then it says in verse 41 demons also were coming out of many shouting you are the son of God okay picture this this is the scene that's going on in Peter's house Simon Peter's house I don't know how long, maybe days, maybe a week, I don't know, before this boat encounter. But he heals, Jesus heals Jesus's, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, heals everybody else. And, and you guys know all the stories in the Bible. They brought him lepers. They brought him blind people, people who were lame. They brought him people who couldn't speak, um, people that were contorted, all kinds of stuff. We know in the story that he healed all kinds of sicknesses and infirmities. So there's no telling what Peter saw. I mean, he probably saw arms grow back, legs grow back, eyes pop back in people's heads. You know what I mean? All kinds of stuff. And then, if it wasn't enough, and then demons start flying around shouting, you are the son of God! How was it not that <laughs> that seized him with amazement? I mean, think about it. And it was all happening in his home. How did that not make him fall down and go, whoa, I'm a sinful man? But right here in this encounter with Jesus, it says that that, that is what. And I was thinking about how, you know, we can be the same way. I thought about all the stuff going on in Peter's home. Sick, being healed, demons coming out, being delivered, people being delivered. And how, it's, it's not that it didn't have an effect on him, but it's like, how did that not make him fall down? How did that not make him begin to repent and begin making arrangements? Uh, you guys, I'm gonna be following him for the rest of my life. And I thought about how we are, are we not the same, exact same way? Good stuff, I want you to hear me. Good stuff going on all around us. 
we can recognize the, the goodness and the grace and the mercies and the blessings and the, the, maybe the miraculous going all around us. We can see it. It's, it's just right there in front of us. But, but somehow that's not enough to bring us to our knees to confess that we're a sinful man, woman, child, teenager, to begin forsaking it all, making arrangements. I mean, we're, we're the same way. I thought about how many this year may feel like they have not gone further and deeper. Now, I know a lot of stories in this room. There's so many people that it's like, that was just the word for me this year. God has taken me further and deeper. But more than likely, there are those in this room who, who would say, I don't feel like God's taken me further or deeper. In the same place I was, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that I was at the end of 2015. 2016 did nothing for me. God did nothing for me. And I thought about how sad because God moving all around us is him moving in our own lives. I thought about, you know, let me show you, say this. One of the ways, there's many ways, but one of the ways that the Lord took me, Tony Hearing, further and deeper in him this year was by witnessing how he took my wife further and deeper. I mean, I watch her consistency with the Lord, just the things that the Lord would show her, her effectiveness as a, as a wife, as a mom, as a youth pastor, all the things that she's done. It's like God is just moving in her life. And I'm like, dude, I'll pack it all up, follow a God that can do that. And then I look at some of your stories. I think about, I think about um, the raises some of you have gotten and the promotions. I think about marriages that are stronger now than they were at the beginning of the year. I think about teenagers' lives that look very different than they did a year ago. I mean, there's story after story after story Prayers that have come true. Some, some of you have, uh, many of you, have had babies that you've been praying for. <laughs> Most of you, you know. I mean, it's, it's like the way that God has taken people in this congregation further and deeper this year is absolutely amazing. And so for anyone who's a part of the community witnessing what's going on, even though it may not have been necessarily to you personally, it was an opportunity for you to go further and deeper. It was an opportunity to, to, to hit your knees and go, man, wow. For amazement to seize you. And, and I thought about three questions and I wanted to just, as we go into 2017, I want you to consider three questions. As we move out of this year and go into the next year, and I love this because this is one of the last things that you will hear before you solidify your New Year's resolution. And I'm glad. That's why I'm saying this. I found it a privilege that I might could insert something that might add to, shift, or completely change your focus going into the next year. Here's a question that I have for you. What will it take for amazement to seize you? For Peter, it took that. It took that. It took, it took God um, blowing him away with the amount of fish because that's what he was into. Obviously, he was really into it. And I don't know, I can't tell you for sure what Jesus' agenda was, but what if Jesus wanted to call Peter 
in his house a few days before. What if Jesus was thinking, man, he's going to see all this stuff and want to follow me? But that didn't do it. We see here Jesus catches all the fish and Peter seeing that fell down on his knees and said, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Does it have, for, for God to take you pers- uh, further and deeper and, and to move in your life and, and draw you closer to him, does it have to come from a personal blessing? Does it have to? I'm not saying that it couldn't be that. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be that. But what I'm asking is, does it have to be that? Does it have to be God blowing you away with the catch of fish? Does it take him not just filling our nets to the weather breaking, but hey, God, for me to follow you, you got to sink the boat too. Does it take that? I don't know. I'm just like, Peter. Now granted, Peter was on a journey and most of us identify with that journey and we're like, yeah, man, that's, just, that's me. But does it, does it have to be a personal blessing? What will it take for amazement to seize, it says it seized him. See, what happened to his mother-in-law the day before, a week before, whatever, and all those others that were being healed and the people that were, um, um, that was amazing stuff, the people that were being delivered from demons. That was amazing stuff, but it didn't seize Peter. It didn't seize him. It may have seized someone else, but that amazing stuff, and that's what I'm saying, there's amazing stuff going all around this congregation and not just in these walls, outside of these walls. You guys know people that God is just doing amazing things. We know countries, nationalities, nations where people, uh, God is doing amazing things. There is enough going on around us where we can go, wow. For where it would seize our heart. And, and consider that, Lord, you just, by what you did in them, what you did with them, that just took me deeper. And can I tell you, I'm just gonna say this fairly confidently, boldly. Until you get to a place where other people's blessings move you, you will not be moved. Does that make sense? And I'm saying that carefully but also boldly because we, scripture tells us that we are um, one body, that we are part of one another. And that's why it talks about when, we, when one rejoices, we rejoice. When one suffers, another suffers. When one is blessed, we are blessed. Amen? God said that the nations of the world would be blessed because Israel was blessed. You guys know the old, the old um, saying, you are blessed, Right? So when anyone is blessed, we are, we are all blessed. So that's my first question. What will it take for amazement to seize you? Because I think going into 2017, you need to be, you need to be asking, again, not that it you, doesn't have to be that way, but, but what will it take? Is there something? And you might say, no, it shouldn't take that. Okay, then back off needing the sinking boat. Does that make sense? The next question is, is how are you responding to what is happening in your life? The reality is, is there's some really good things happening in a lot of people's lives, but there's also some very difficult things happening in other people's lives. 
And then you have some who are encompassing both. It's like they're blessed and being hit hard at the very same time. And some people are feeling the blessing because of how they're being hit hard at the same time. If that makes sense. It's kind of a weird Bible thing. But it's true. We are blessed even when we are suffering. We can find joy and we can find hope. But that's my question, second question. How are you responding to what is happening in your life? I was thinking about how when Peter saw that, it actually says that, that he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord. I was like, what? Go away from me, I'm a sinful man. I was thinking about that phrase this week. It's like, what a weird thing to say. Go away from me, Lord. And I thought how that is a, a very common statement for people who are being blessed and people who are going through difficult times. Sometimes people are being blessed. God's just trying to bless you. God's just trying to show his love. But we're like, go away from me, Lord. I don't deserve this because I'm a sinful man. You guys hear what I'm saying? And so God can be doing good things in your life and not only are you not recognizing it, you're, you're, you're trying to make it go away. Go away from me, Lord. I don't deserve this. It's amazing how people can sabotage their own lives. I don't know if that makes sense. But go away from me, Lord. But then the opposite is true. There are some people who they would say, go away from me, Lord. Um, I'm a sinful man. I do, deserve the, I, uh, I do deserve the bad things that are happening to me. Bad things are going on in your life. And you're like, I do deserve this. I'm a sinful man. And I thought, again, back to that question, how are you responding to what is happening in your life? And here's, here's, here's what I wished Peter, uh, Peter would have said. And I think somewhere along the way he did learn how to say this. A better prayer in the good times and in the bad times is come nearer to me for I am a sinful man. Did you guys hear that? He said, go away from me, Lord. And what did Jesus say to him? Don't be afraid. <laughs> man, I'm wanting to bless you. Don't be afraid. Go away from me, Lord. The proper thing to say in the good times and in the bad times. And so maybe we can enter into this in 2017 because we don't know what's going to hit us. Does anybody know what 2017 holds? Anybody got, got a... We don't know. But we know that whether it's going to hit us um, easier, harder, blessings, difficulties, we know that we can say, come nearer. Come nearer, Lord. Come nearer, Lord. But following it up, because I'm a, I'm a sinful man, I know, regardless of anything, I need you. I know what I'm prone to. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I deserve. I know what I don't deserve. Bottom line, just come nearer to me, Lord. And having a heart of repentance is another way that you could say that. Come nearer to me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So what will it take from amazement to see you? Sees you. How are you responding to what is happening in your life? And here's my, here's my third question. Are you willing to forsake everything in 2017? I didn't even re- realize that rhymed until just now. But that's pretty cool. Are you willing to forsake everything in 2017? This, you won't realize this until um, next week, but this, this question sets you up for the sermon series and the emphasis for next year, the word that I feel like the Lord has for us. Are you willing to forsake everything? Remember what I said? That the final response for Peter and the other disciples, if you read 
were that they forsook everything. They left everything, including the big blessed catch of fish. And they followed him. They forsook everything. They left everything. And they made arrangements. They left the fish, but they also made arrangements. I don't know what those arrangements were. Some of those guys may have been married. They may have had kids. I don't know how it all worked. But they began, according to God's word, according to what it says, they began making arrangements to leave everything and to follow him. And that was something that stuck out to me too. It's like, are are we doing, are we gonna do that? Did you do that in 2017, uh, 2016? The, the further, deeper word, the, the, did you lean into that? And then in 2017, are, are you willing to forsake it all? I don't even know what the all is. You know what's funny about the Holy Spirit? Someone can say something and he can give you the picture right then and there. I believe that whenever I said forsake it all, there's something that popped into many people's mind in this room. And I'm telling you, whatever that is, you need to address it. You've gotta, you've gotta think through it, talk through it, pray through it. If it's a resolution whatever but are you willing to leave the sinful pattern of behavior are you willing to leave whatever it is I've said this before over the years but some of you God's calling you to leave the country he's calling you to 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 leave your job to trust him in a way that you've never trusted him before he's he's saying are you willing to forsake it all are you willing to do that And it could be very difficult maybe in the front end, but if you track with Peter's life, wow. True or false, he saw a lot more than a few people healed and demons come out and saw more than a few catch of fish. His life tracked really good with the Lord. What will it take for amazement to seize you? And really, I guess a sub-question to that is, does it have to be a personal blessing? Does it have to be, well, when I see this, when, when this happens, then I will, I will know God is real or I'll know that he's worthy to follow or I'll know. I wanna encourage you to think differently. How are you responding to what is happening in your life? Some of you are going through hard times, some of you are going through bad times. How are you responding And the last question, you guys can stand. Are you willing to forsake everything and follow him in 2017? I want to pray over you. I know many of you have parties to go to. We're going to have a bunch of teenagers at at our house tonight. It's going to be good. But I really want you to think about that. Going into 2017, of course, it's it's a... Another year closer to the Lord's return, isn't that right? And we know that he's, he's uh, just as eager to, um, to be with us as we are with him. Are we making preparations to follow him? Are we willing to forsake it all?